teach. The Lord Jesus had these seven qualities that the Father had, because He was. He was the exact representation of the Father. So whatever we see in Him, that's what the Father has. Whatever the Father has, we see in Jesus. So the everlasting Father is a title um. the Lord Jesus Himself had. He's called the Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He is a mighty warrior. He's our mighty warrior. The Lord was grateful. He was very grateful. In Romans chapter 1, it, it talks about those sins that causes the wrath of God to come on people. One of them is ungratefulness, something that we don't like to see in other people. But we certainly shouldn't have it, especially toward the Lord. To always have a grateful heart, because a grateful heart requires a humble heart. The Lord Jesus was grateful. He was thankful. Second one, you mentioned he was prayerful. He was very prayerful. Might be in different order, but he was a man of prayer. And he always brought everything to the, the Father. And he got recharged in the Father's presence. But he was also joyful. A man filled with joy. In the midst of the suffering that was to come, in different things that had already happened, the Lord says, my soul is exceedingly glad, it's rejoicing. It's important to be full of joy. It says in the Bible to be joyful, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord says to be joyful. And something that we have to decide to receive from the Lord. There's a mindset that can be negative, it can be cynical, it can be always on edge thinking, actually I can never really be satisfied, I can never be too happy. Why? Because I know something is going to come to rob this, I just know it. It's something from Satan, it's not the trait of the Lord, because the Lord was joyful. He rejoices. It's amazing. I remember one time, Pastor Gerber, she saw, she saw God move, she told us some years ago. In his joy, she saw him move on his throne. If I remember correctly, when he was pleased and he was happy, she saw the Almighty move with that joy on the throne. What a revelation. God is non-material. The Father is a spirit, Jesus said. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But He has emotions. He is a person. Whatever the Father has, Jesus has. Whatever Jesus and the Father have, the Holy Spirit have. They all have the same personality. What a revelation. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three distinct Persons, but they share the same divine personality. So if the Father is represented by the Son, and the Son is one who is full of that gratefulness, God Himself 
has that satisfaction and because there's no one greater than himself is happy and he's pleased with his works there's no negativity there's no bossiness there's no dissatisfaction and as he humbled himself in all his humanity he showed how we can be grateful so beautiful freedom to be grateful and prayerful prayer talks about communion communication he was prayerful he was joyful the fourth thing is he was careful the lord jesus was careful he's the one that told us be wise as serpents and harmless as doves the serpent is careful as you know the serpent is not like other creatures many of the creatures like an elephant or even other beasts they may be mighty but they're not as careful he said when you navigate this world be alert be careful understand your surroundings don't be aloof the simple pass on and they punish the proverb say but the prudent sees evil from far away and avoids it how many christians get slaughtered because they don't know the whole word of god god said you need to be careful you need to reassess when the spirit of god speaks we don't just pass it off and say oh well that's that happened and this is how i reacted and that's how it is we need to see was i careful like the lord told me to be careful in so many ways we can apply that there's a there's a young man who was outside of a a repair shop the other day we took a minivan that's quite old now but we're trying to use it and it's exploring options is just way too much <clears throat> terrible amount in the dealership and so someone recommended another shop nearby and <clears throat> we went there the man said you can drop off the keys in a little slot by between two bays there at the shop was after hours we thought there's no problem we've done it before at Mineki and some other places where it's secure that drop box but this one you can reach your hand in it and get whatever you put in so the moment we drop the keys somebody can come and take those keys and run away with the van and be our, our liability so naturally we didn't feel comfortable so the next day i thought before they close we can just go we had quite a bit of time went there were greeted by a young man there and he came right up to Pascova when she drove the my parents car to pick me up to drop off the van and he started talking to us thinking this man must be he could be somebody who was in the area asking for money and telling a story as so i came out and he told me that the man closed when he knew that he was coming to get his truck and uh i called the office there and sure enough he said that we're already closed i said but you're supposed to be open till such and such a time he said yeah we're closed i said i'm not comfortable leaving the key there he said oh no no nobody can get it but you can see clearly somebody can put their hand or fish the keys out if you put in the drop box lendure the the fumes that were coming out from the engine was affecting me 
And um, we thought, you know, twice has happened, so it's not a good sign. But that encounter with that young man before rushing to another store, for context, actually, to pick up Pascal's context. I just told him the gospel because he's very upset. He's very hot. And he was on his phone. He said, I'm going to call the police and tell them that they have my truck and they closed the shop because they thought I didn't have the money and all these things. And it was almost like a, a racial thing too. But I just told him the gospel quickly. And I saw in the van I had a water that was unopened, a big bottle of water. And I saw Sunny, and I just said, would you like some water? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I have no water. I said, that would be great. I gave it to him. I said, God bless you. And I told him, Jesus loves you. And he said, yeah, I try to think that way. I said, God will work it out. And then I gave my hand in a fist bump like they do. Didn't want to shake the hand, but I just bumped my fist. And the moment I did that, I was thinking, why did I do that? something that people do naturally with all that we know uh, was that necessary so the conviction came and I was thinking about it and I thought you know it's not necessary we don't know who that person is there's no fear but we should be alert so these are the type of things that God will school us in different things at certain times when we are zealous and we may be rushing, but we begin to be careful. Isn't that marvelous that God gives us the prudence and wisdom and the reflection, the ability? If we pass by and we just take things as they are, then we may fall into something. But if we reflect on things and we go to the Lord without fear, without any anxiousness, but Say, Lord, I want to do it your way and everything. We may be surprised that God will lead us in a way that's contrary to what most people do and will never think about. The Lord Jesus was grateful. He was prayerful. He was joyful. He was careful. He knew what to do and where. He knew where to speak and where not to speak. There were no leaks in his life. The Spirit was intact growing, he's prospering. He grew in stature before God and man. He grew in favor before God and man. But involved him to be careful. Fifthly, the Lord was a man of peace. Although he's a mighty warrior, and the Lord says uh, through Moses that the Lord is a man of war, he was not a person who went around picking fights or looking to assert himself. He's a person who pressed on for peace. As I mentioned briefly in the prayer yesterday in church, blessed are the people who make peace, the ones who strive to make peace, very opposite to what we used to be, what the world says we ought to be. Blessed are the peacemakers, not to fuel the fire. We've seen people who sometimes meddle in affairs not belong to them, and they like to jump in on the fight. They may be just shopping somewhere, and they see two people in altercation, and they feel that urge to go in and say something. Or when the spotlight is put on them, what do you say? Instead of striving for peace, they add fuel to the fire. It can happen in families too. And to be careful, 
amongst our families, our relatives. Without compromising the truth, we strive for peace. That was the Lord's nature. As a person who pressed for peace without compromising the truth. The Lord Jesus was purposeful. He had a divine calling and he never lost sight of that. He said, my mission, my food, the reason I came was to give my life as a ransom. Never ever lost sight of that goal. What is God's calling in our lives? We need to always have that beating strongly within us. I cannot be diverted from what God has called me to do. His grand purpose for my life. And everything should contribute to that. It's like that Olympic athlete. I remember in the early 90s when I was working at a health club, there's a local gym teacher, physical education teacher. He was actually from Haiti. A very personable and popular man there in the community. And his name was in the local papers. And well, he was actually a judo uh, expert. And he was going to the Olympics. And I remember he came to the gym and he was telling us very, very uh, full of joy that I'm going to make it. And I have to do this. And this is what I have to eat to bring my weight up. And everything was precise. You see, he worked full-time as a physical education teacher. He had the community things. He had a program for the kids. That was his thing as a as a non-believer. But once that Olympics came, and the training for the Olympics came up, everything he did was geared toward the Olympics. Everything. He enjoyed the children. He enjoyed helping the community. He enjoyed starting things. And uh, he was a person full of positive thinking, you can see. And I had occasion to tell him the gospel. Everybody I met at that time, after I got miraculously healed, I was telling everyone who came to the gym where I worked about the gospel. Some people got saved. But his mind was on the Olympics. And he said, I have to eat so many bananas. He said, even ice cream. He was exercising, but he said, I need to do something to bring my weight up to make it to that tournament to be eligible. He said, I'll do this. I'll crash on this diet. And he was fairly healthy looking. But he had certain things he needed to do to achieve the goal. Now, we wouldn't recommend ice cream, but that's what he wanted to do quickly to bring up the weight. Bananas and all these things. But the point is that his sleep, his career, everything was rearranged reprioritized certain things that he normally would do were subtracted certain things that he would never do were added why he had to make it to that Olympics he was very purposeful now as the Apostle Paul says with all that striving after all it's a crown that is perishable what good is it it's going to go and so he says in a race people do all kinds of things all kinds of things Striving for the mastery. But he said, you have another calling. You have a high calling. Your race is not this physical race here. Only you have a spiritual race. You're running with the baton. Hebrews chapter 11 and in chapter 12. You see a great cloud of witnesses. 
something's been handed off to us. This baton in that relay race, if you will, running, all running, but as we hear often here in the messages, in our own track, there's a purpose. To discern what has God called me to do, but before that, there needs to be a preliminary preparation. Isn't that true? A child may have great ambitions. I remember in sixth grade, the teacher asked us, what would you like to be and what would you like to, I mean, your future. I remember I wrote a profile for myself. At that time, the big thing was to become a physician, generally speaking, especially from our culture. And so I put that down. I put my prospective height and my weight and how I like to be fit and all these things. And it was a dream. But it was a dream from a child. And though the Lord can give dreams to a child that may be fulfilled later, a lot of times people have their own dreams and they do fulfill them. But it's not God's will. You see, there's a integration, there's an expose, if you will, or there's a uh, exposure. Not only a revelation of the person's heart and ambitions and their assets, but there's a there's a exposure to different subjects, different avenues, and a person often can change their minds. We need training in the Word of God. We're in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're placed in a body where God has us. There's a continual equipping. There's a revelation. There's an opening of the eyes. And what we thought would never be or could not be or should not be, all of a sudden God has put us there to give us the greatest joy and satisfaction. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. There's no haphazard and random just living the Christian life and trying to do some good and cope. There's a very specific target. God has something in mind to use our lives to make a mark in this world unlike any athlete, any actor or actress, any entrepreneur. The things that people die for. They want to take pictures with the rich and famous. They go to different studios and different amusement parks and different events. Remember at the same gym, there's another man that came by and he was constantly showing photos of himself with male and female bodybuilders. Even though he's married, he had a family, his whole ambition was, I have to keep going to these events and take pictures with the rich and famous. That was his idol, and he, he was getting satisfaction. There's a unsurrendered, happened to be a Jehovah's Witness. We've spoken to quite a number of them. There's no, there's no conquering of their sins, but there's a false religion. There's a striving to try to keep the law when they know they really can't keep it because they don't have the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have subscribed to devils, demonic doctrines. And yet, they can sin in many other ways as long as they make it their Saturdays and go and give the magazines when they're supposed to. What a dead religion. It's a false purpose. God has given us a purpose. So everything that we do should be, Lord, show me what you put me on the earth for, Lord. I know generally it's to be a light, but what does that mean in my activities and what I'm supposed to be striving for? Another example I give that touched my heart deeply. As a young man, I remember we used to watch sports or something growing up on Saturdays. That was a big thing, Saturday sports. 
was watching tennis and baseball and boxing and all these things. Very excited by it. And I remember one day, the strangest thing came on a regular TV channel. It was a program of Bible translators in Alaska. And I was intrigued by it. God had already been working in my heart, but I was a person that was torn by different ambitions. And as I looked at that program, my heart was just gripped, very attracted to this couple that were, were there in Alaska with, at that time, I think they had like four hours of daylight. So he's inside this house or igloo, whatever it is. This man, American. And he's there with this light translating the Bible. It must have been about 55, 60, 65. And I just saw that. I thought, what a life. I thought, that's so beautiful. He is fully intentioned on translating the Bible. And he's doing it there even when there's such a limited amount of daylight, he's not thinking about his own ambition in this world. He's given himself over to a heavenly ambition. And so I started getting subscriptions even when I went to secular work in my 20s. So excited to get in the mail missionary reports and healings and people really suffering for the faith, not some fake stuff. I remember reading on the bus to work and there was a striving for my soul, and so it is with everyone. The question is, what is my purpose? And am I working toward that? Am I being equipped? Am I giving myself over to that equipping? Lord, you have a purpose for my life. You know, when we go through suffering, we go through a cross, we have different things happening, we think, Lord, this is it. This occupies my time and my energy, my sensibility, my emotions. I'm spent, Lord. But it's the preparation for something big. Bigger, I should say. Because in the midst of our suffering, we're able to be a link to heavenly hope for other people. And that's why we take tracks wherever we go, and we should. Because we want to fulfill our purpose. The basic thing is to give the gospel. We can't keep it to ourselves. It's not about our ambition. Everywhere we go, we're on God's business. Amen. And while we do that, all of a sudden the Lord will crystallize exactly. There may be somebody that's actually being prepared for a very unique prison ministry. I mentioned about the old lady that went in her 70s and 80s. She used to go, she used to make cookies, take the time to make cookies. She might have been, a, I think, a widower. Every day gathering tracts and writing letters to these young men a lot of times offenders full of hate and then she got access to the prisons and this older lady would go there with a smile and she would bring the cookies they would allow her to bring the cookies to the prisoners people who first would have mocked her but as they saw she was the real thing she really loved them a stranger when did you visit me in prison the Lord said Different calling for different people, but she she knew she knew her purpose, and she didn't sway from that. Other men, uh, women were going to Atlantic City. They were getting with their girlfriends, other widowers, and 
widows, I should say. They were thinking about how to go. I've seen plenty of them. Their whole ambition is to put on that fake necklace or whatever, beautify themselves best they could and jump on the bus or the van and go to a place of gambling or some shopping and the time goes. Life is spent in vain. But this woman was different. She had a purpose. She knew, I have an eternal calling. God wants to use me to show his love and give his gospel. So with the cookies came the tracks. And then the letter writing. What a beautiful life. Hidden from this world. Very manifest before God. Hallelujah. Purposeful. Our preparation is toward a specific purpose God has. God has supernatural gifts. You know the devil would hate for us to have them. He knows what's at stake, so he will distract us so that we don't live up to God's purpose for our lives ultimately. But if we say no, and we continue to come to God's presence, we continue to remind ourselves, this is not it. This is not it. This is just a preliminary preparation. The Lord Jesus was purposeful. And finally, he was faithful. He was faithful and loyal to the very end. It took fortitude, it took great strength, and he received it in the presence of the Father. Faithful life. The Heavenly Father is perfectly embodied in the Son. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Holy Spirit's personality is exactly like Jesus and the Father. Jesus said, the Spirit the Comforter will proceed from both the Father and the Son. Amazing. But these are the words that came to me early morning yesterday and I shared it briefly in the prayer in the church. If you'd like to write them down, again, the Lord Jesus was grateful. He was prayerful. He was joyful. He was careful. He was peaceful, he was purposeful, and he was faithful. This will enable us to finish the race well, even if we had a very difficult start. Even if we're struggling now, the Lord says, do not, not only not give up, don't be distracted and keep pressing in, Lord, what is my purpose? At any age, any station in life, his divine calling. There's another person that could not get out. Another person, quite a number of people, not only sick, but they were actually very elderly. And these are the people that I remember reading about. They'll be woken up 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, such a close communion, communion with God. And they'll stop praying for people in different parts of the world. And on one occasion, this missionary that was quickened to life. He was left for dead in Africa. This man from Britain, mighty missionary, mighty servant of God, saw so much fruit in, in his early ministry. He was left for dead. He was attacked with some kind of strange disease and the natives gathered on everybody. He was just lifeless. Right before their eyes, he suddenly jumped up when they all knew he was dead. They were astonished and the gospel went so powerfully through the tribe. 
many people gave their hearts to the Lord. When he came back from the mission field at the age of 80-something, many, many years later, in the meeting, he talked about that very incident. It's a true story. And a very old woman came, older than him. She said, can I have a word with you? He said, yes. And he showed her diary. During that time when he was left for dead, she said, the Lord woke me up at such and such a time and told me to pray. And this is what I saw in the vision. That was his situation exactly. She saw a vision. She didn't know who he was. She prayed at that moment and God heard that prayer exactly at that time and he was brought back to life. What a way to live. What does the devil like to do? Preoccupy us, distract us. But everything we do is a blessing from God, but they're geared to our divine purpose. That we can be faithful. We can finish well. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May the Lord give you that drive and give you that confidence that God is not done. We're on the right track in God's presence. Praise God. Lord, we thank you, Lord. As a brief exhortation, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, stir within us, Lord, something deep, something beyond our, our lives, Lord, our understanding. I pray that you help us, O oh, Father, to be strangely warmed by the light of your love, your truth, 